A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're going to be talking about the live-action film of Beauty and the Beast and the podcast Missing Richard Simmons. Caroline has also watched the HBO series The Night Of for the first time, so she'll be telling us how that went later in the show. Hello! Hello! So last week we just powered straight into item one, which means this week we have a whole bunch of emails to read, which is fun. We had a nice email from Mimi who got in touch to say that she's a long-time listener, which is our favourite intro, and she wanted to talk about the gendered way we discuss the work of film directors, which is something that came up last week when we were discussing Days of Heaven. Yes, and Terence Malick generally, yeah. Yeah, and I was, we were sort of talking about how directors that put an emphasis on aesthetic and visuals and surface level stuff are often praised as very poetic when women directors who do the same often aren't and she just mentions that at her university newspaper the reviewers were giving certain women quite a bad review as well as Moonlight but gave Nocturnal Animals five stars praising the film for being a Chanel advert directed by David Lynch finding visual beauty within a nightmare which I do think is the kind of thing we're often talking about Mm. right she's put white male often straight directors are allowed to be auteurs visionaries who can make complicated art visual poets if you like whilst just as you said the quiet power of certain women is meaningless and moonlight is too self-important so obviously this is student journalism which can be problematic in its own ways because people are learning and just starting out but yeah she praises emily nussbaum as someone who always kind of manages to just praise stuff for the quality of it and not misread stuff depending on whether it was made mostly by women etc We've also had an email from Alana, just a quick one, picking up on our discussion about Ed Sheeran last week, which, judging by Twitter and Facebook, loads of you really enjoyed our rare foray into being really negative about something. So, yeah, glad you liked it. Anyway, Alana says, to join in the Galway Girl bashing... Galway Girl being a song off Ed Sheeran's new album that we particularly disliked. Let's all just acknowledge that you can't rob 90s Queens Bewitched and get away with it. So true. Agreed. Yes. Emily got in touch to recommend the HBO series Big Little Lies, which I've heard a lot about and not actually watched. She says it's a soap star drama about suburban moms. The cast is very talented and the music is great. We've also had an email from Moz about the Netflix series Love, which we talked about last week. They say, well, to begin with, I watched both series in 36 hours. Moz, that is quite an impressive feat. Thinking back, I'm not sure I actually liked any of the characters. I think the sheer ridiculousness of the plot pulled me in. The endings of both series were so good, I can't wait for series three. 
Oh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really, really binged through that. So. 36 hours, what an achievement. Thomas got in touch to say that our voices have accompanied him through cleaning, essay writing, power walking and dog stroking. <laughs> what a great array of activities. And he asks why we haven't done an episode on Swiss Army Man. Is it because of the farting? Question <laughs> mark. I actually really want to see this and I just haven't still as a massive Daniel Radcliffe fan. I feel like once you've seen Now You See Me Too, mm. you, see, you stick with Dan Rad through anything and everything <laughs> so i would really like to see this and i did just see daniel radcliffe's playing spoiler a corpse kind of <laughs> in rosencrantz and guildenstern at the old vic as well yes do you want to tell listeners the other very important sighting that you made at that play oh god so i went to the opening night or the press night of rosencrantz and guildenstern which meant the celebs were out tom stoppard was there etc but who seriously listeners was left me absolutely starstruck none other than Toby Jones. Yeah, that was so exciting. <laughs> he was sat a few rows back from me and I just, I think he was maybe with his daughter. I was just like, I obviously was too embarrassed to go and say hello. <laughs> but I um, really admired him from afar and he was just like, you know, swanning about the lobby and everything and the interval and afterwards and some colleagues I were with were like, go just go over and say hello to Toby Jones. Just tell him you're a big fan of Detectorist. It's all cool. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'll die. Oh no, people never understand. When there's a chance that you might meet a famous person, you have to role play the conversation in your head. Yeah. And if it goes, it go? me, I'm a really big fan of X that you were in them thank you if you don't know what the next thing that you say is you shouldn't go and talk to them right <laughs> yeah i think i might have like got a bit emotional <laughs> got a bit teary otherwise it's just there's no conversation there it's just yeah. a statement a response and then awkward silence this is the thing so when i other seriously crush ali smith when i went to speak to ali smith i felt able to be like i work at the new statesman where you sometimes have things published and we were able to talk about that a little bit so it was fine quite glad i didn't go up to him really but it was a joy to see dan rad in the flesh mm. who is of course an icon of my life so yeah swiss army man thomas maybe <laughs> so should we move on to the first thing we're going to talk about this yes. week beauty and the beast is disney's live action remake of their 1991 classic animated musical starring emma watson as Belle and dan stevens as a mostly cgi beast it follows what happens when Belle is imprisoned in the beast's enchanted castle show me the girl look at her what if she is the one <gasps> the one who'll break the spell You can talk. Well, of course he can talk. Hello, pleased to meet you. The master's not as terrible as he appears. I say we kill the beast! Think of the one thing you've always wanted. I'll find it in your mind's eye. And feel it in your heart. No! Don't be afraid. I'm not afraid. So I feel like this is just such a, an iconic cartoon that it's quite a challenge to remake it in a way that is satisfying for audiences, no? 
Definitely, and I know you've written a few pieces about it in advance so of many. the piece release, <laughs> oh, because God. the question of what has changed versus what stays the same mm-hmm. has, as far as I know, the, been the whole narrative around this film, right? Yeah. Because by and large, shot for shot, it is pretty much a recreation, right? Yeah, so when I was watching this film, I spent the first maybe like 10 minutes or so like being like, right, because I know the 1991 film like so well, like I could literally sit here and do the dialogue for you. It was one of my obsessions as a child and they knew no bounds, my obsessions. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to know every time that there's like a diversion in my mind. And in the first like 10 minutes, there's two, like mm. in the opening sequence when they're doing the whole like, she melted away to reveal a yeah, beautiful that's... enchantress that was almost word for word apart from a weird line about taxes and beautiful objects <laughs> where they were like the prince taxed the town so that he could buy beautiful objects for his castle and then there's what seems like a really random line in the provincial life song where one of the townsfolk is like i'm looking for something but i don't remember what it is which later has more significance well i was watching it like why would you bother to put that line in that seems weird and that's the whole first 10 minutes of the movie and that's the only real variation you get everything else is pretty much word for word it's kind of this really strange thing isn't it this live action remake because it is so similar to the cartoon i don't know it just feels like a weird thing to want to do and yeah of course it is making so much money so this is part of a broader trend right for disney that Mm -hmm. what feels to me like they've slowed down their release schedule of actual new films Mm -hmm. and into it they are slotting live action remakes of their existing films like the jungle Mm -hmm. book which again was real actors and a lot of cgi for the animals mm-hmm. and and now this and i feel like we can't be that far away from a snow white one right you know yeah well they've got little mermaid in the works mulan mm-hmm. in the works they did the bfg like which isn't actually a disney property but you know they've done a lot of these sorts of things and it was so interesting to me being in the cinema like the weekend of its release and like seeing who was in the audience mm. because I feel like part of the reason why these films are making so much money is because it gets two generations rather than just one, Definitely. right? It's the same thing that we're seeing with sequels mm. to Jurassic Park and remakes of things like Ghostbusters. It's that same, like, we'll get the grown-up 80s kids and we'll also get the new generation of children to try and come to this movie. Because I went to an, an early evening slash late afternoon screening. There were kids with parents and also people my age and older who obviously mm. enjoyed it the first time around and maybe wouldn't bother to go and see a new Disney cartoon with an equivalent story to Beauty and the Beast mm. but like me we're really curious to know can Emma Watson actually sing etc yeah, etc yeah, exactly I because I'm a masochist went to see this at the IMAX at the Empire in Leicester oh. Square <laughs> but it was really interesting to see it like that and the 3D stuff is cool and there was a really little kid just like reaching out all the time and trying to touch what she kept calling the bear and like <laughs> it's funny to see young kids trying to like interact with the film in that way and it did also remind me of my favourite vine of all time which I will now describe <laughs> for, for the listeners podcasting is um, a great medium yeah isn't it just which is this girl listening on I think on an iPad to the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack the original 1991 and it's got like the album artwork and it's something there or you know one of the love songs and she points at Belle and goes but she's singing it to this troll bear <laughs> And then it like cuts and she goes, forget that. <laughs> and I love it so much. So yeah, some confused children's faces. But yeah, so what did you actually make of the movie? Because for me, I feel like the songs are so good and the spirit of the songs is so like fun and whimsical that I really enjoyed it. I just feel like you can't really go wrong with the source material. Yeah, so I really enjoyed the songs, definitely. And I also enjoyed quite a lot of the 
uh, like sets and costumes. Mm. They were magnificent. But some of the dialogue and some of the performances, though, I was literally yawning. <laughs> I mean, I also had a big problem in that Dan Stevens is Matthew from Downton Abbey. Mm. And it was very, very odd to have <laughs> Matthew from Downton Abbey like inside a CGI beast talking about books, but doing mannerisms and vo particularly vocal mannerisms that are so familiar to me from yeah. my repeated watching of the first two series of Downton Abbey. I have to say, I can't imagine Dan Stevens is going to look back over this and be like, I'm really pleased with that performance. Yes. <laughs> There's some like really weird stuff from him, like in the opening um, when yeah. he's like the selfish prince. And then the Beast has this whole song. I, I mean, I'm such a Beauty and the Beast nerd that I know all the songs that are like cut from the original mm. movie from the stage because I've seen like stage performances of Beauty <laughs> and the Beast and they put in Forevermore, which is like a rubbish song. Yeah. Oh, it's not good, is and it? It's, like, like yeah. uh, quite long as well and it's just like cgi dan stevens like raising his eyebrows in a really pained way for like two minutes and it like emoting oh, <laughs> and it's just like so funny and you can't not laugh and like people were laughing in my yeah. screening at that song the bestial emoting w yeah. was too much so yeah by and large i found myself quite tense in any scene that had dan stevens in it yeah. braced for whatever his next stupid facial expression was going to be. Yeah, he was but, phoning it. Yeah. <laughs> there were lots of like random extra plot lines in this. I really liked the amount that they talked to the horse, Philippe, mm -hmm. yeah. who in a Disney movie that's a cartoon, everyone talks to animals and it's kind of fine and normal. Yeah. Like in a live action thing where they're like, Philippe! What do you think, Philippe? <laughs> Take me to him, Philippe. And you're like, thank God the fucking horse is sentient, otherwise you'd be screwed. <laughs> that really made me laugh. I also really enjoyed the random plague plot line <laughs> introduced yeah, that, at where... That was new, right? Yeah. Belle's mother has died of plague and then they like go to the like plaguey place where she died and like pick up a rattle and they keep kissing the rattle and I'm like why is everyone kissing the plaguey rattle when they had to like leave the place you know out of fear of contagion I mean I guess 10 years ago but still blah. I loved yeah the extra plot lines about like the townspeople mm. forgetting who the like servants were at the castle and like erasing the castle from their memory so you get like a quite like emotional reunion between Emma Watson and Mr Potts who is this townsperson and just made up yeah. yeah i quite liked all that i really loved stanley tucci in the final he scene was so good <laughs> he I was really, really funny him. i kept seeing him in the background of other shots so they obviously have the like oh yay we're people again scenes at the end and stanley tucci is just like in the background like really going for it in every shot and you're like you are having the best time like all these other greats like i don't know ian mckellen emma thompson even ewan mcgregor they're all just completely phoning it in mm -hmm. and it's like fine you know obviously they're very talented they're completely fine performances but no one no one really looks like they're having that good a time and then Stanley Tucci is just bringing it yeah. <laughs> it's so great I have to say and this I say this reluctantly as a big fan of hers I was not into Emma Thompson's vocal performance in it's this. like a bad Meryl isn't it yeah. when we talked about a bad Meryl in um <laughs> the suffragette movie yeah it uh, was very much like a bad, that. bad Thompson it was a bad Thompson she did what she thinks is like a weird slightly cockney accent yeah but it just sounds odd <laughs> um, oh blimey chip you're a full-grown lad again yeah. it's like really weirdly like frail <laughs> I did not enjoy it and it was made worse by the fact that Angela Lansbury's vocal performance for the original animated version of this film is like up there with one of my favourite things that Angela Lansbury has ever yeah, done yeah. and I do really like Angela Lansbury so that it's is saying a lot yeah so that made me sad I mean Emma Thompson's version of the song the famous song Beauty and the Beast was fine but again no Lansbury mm -hmm. so yeah that was a bit sad what did we think of Emma Watson fine 
I actually thought she annoyed me a lot less than I was expecting. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a good performance on the whole. Has There's he... one bit that I found really bad, which is in the like, you know, the bit where she goes, not me, his little wife. At the beginning, she did that and then went, <laughs> and then like went back into normal singing voice. It was like, pause for emotion. Yes. And then like back to emotionless singing. But other than that, which is like one very picky thing to say, I thought she was pretty good. Yeah, I think she did well with what is actually a quite difficult thing to do, which is essentially carry a film where the previous star that you are imitating was not real. Mm, exactly. Um, I also think she did a very good job of what must have been mostly just acting into empty space on a green screen. Yeah, it must have been really... There was a lot that, of that. That looked... I guess she's pretty good at it from Harry Potter, yeah. but I feel like most of the time when actors do that, there is always a point at which you are very aware of the fact that they're talking to mm -hmm. empty space, where I wasn't aware of that with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was good. The other sort of controversy over what's been changed about this film has been around the character of LeFou, who... Am I right in saying Disney have just declared to be gay? Yeah, so LeFou in this movie is supposedly explicitly gay, though I missed the explicitness of that. <laughs> yes, me too. I don't know whether it's Disney or the press surrounding it have made quite a lot of the fact that Disney have taken this step and look how progressive they are and look they have a gay character. Whether you read him as gay or not, based on what's in the actual film, is one thing, but the film is not progressive on this issue. Like, there are several places where the idea of, like, a man wearing a dress is played for laughs. Mm -hmm. And stuff and i was like mm, no yeah and he's like in a big pink bow the yeah. whole time and he's extremely camp and like his performance is funny and i do think it's it's not necessarily like intrinsically homophobic to have like a camp acting you know pink bow wearing man in a movie but it, it's at odds with their self-congratulation yes, about the quite. about the part because you're like well is this really a great statement of inclusivity or is it really like a comedy figure yeah, <laughs> you that, can't have it both ways it can't be both really. that's what interested me about it was that if i had just seen the film without knowing any of the material surrounding the character i would have been like oh they have slightly updated the character of lefou it mm -hmm. continues to be comedic in the same way mm-hmm and not thought any more of it. Yeah, they just, kind of dug their own grave on that one. They have, because I went into it being like, oh, I've heard that interesting things have happened to the character of LeFou to make him like explicitly gay mm -hmm. and uh, a kind of presumably like a sort of role model for kids, etc. And I was like, what? No, 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 not at all. But despite those disappointments, I found it quite enjoyable, quite fun, and I love the music. So it's kind of a nice Saturday afternoon vibe. Mm, very much so. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All as true as it can be. Now we're going to talk about Missing Richard Simmons, which is a six-part podcast in which host Dan Taberski tries to track down the titular Simmons, who is an 80s fitness guru who hasn't been seen in public for three years. It's been described as like cereal but with more lycra, and uses interviews with Simmons' friends and family, as well as his former weight loss disciples, to try and find out the reason for his disappearance from the spotlight. Yeah, so I remember when this was in the news, the story of Richard Simmons basically like being about one moment and not the next. Yeah. And it's partly a shocking story because Richard Simmons is such a recognisable celebrity and someone who was so devoted to spending time with fans basically and who made you know 30 something different appearances on letterman stuff like that like he was very happy to be in the public eye and very self-motivated in doing that and then he just completely disappeared and it was like on tmz and stuff that they thought maybe he had been kidnapped by his own housekeeper it's obviously a big high profile story the question is is there a story there at all or is this just literally an instance of a man who was a celebrity being like do you know what tired of celebrity tired of talking to Mm. so many people all the time going back into my home and staying there forever bye i feel like the actual podcast itself is whilst on the surface a perfectly entertaining listen it's not particularly innovative with the form or anything you know it takes this form that we've heard in lots of true crime type podcasts where the the host or journalist investigating tells it almost like a kind of first person story and they they talk Mm. you through the different steps they've taken to try and find out what it is they're trying to find out and that is all pretty standard what has caused controversy and what is interesting about it is this moral ethical question of when does making a podcast about someone become stalking that person Mm -hmm. and at what point should you just leave people alone yeah and it is something that Taberski tries to address in I think it's the fourth and fifth episodes where he starts asking people whether Simmons has a kind of responsibility in the manner of like a therapist and a patient that because he Simmons went so out of his way to like stay in contact with loads of his fans and like check in on them and see how their weight loss was going and all this kind of stuff and you know he would quite often meet someone originally through one of his programs and then later become actual friends with them and stuff like does he have a responsibility to not just suddenly withdraw draw that contact for someone who is you know going through their own stuff Mm -hmm. but he doesn't really answer that question no and also i think that is a question that might have some validity i struggle with it a bit this Mm. idea that he like would owe anyone anything at all but say you are a really close friend of his and you talk at least three times a week and he just stops replying i can see why in your own head you might be like doesn't he have some sort of responsibility to at least give me an explanation about Mm. why this this relationship is basically ending i don't really feel like that's anyone else's concern though other than that particular person in that relationship and I definitely think that if you're like do you know what maybe I do have a right to go and knock on his door and find out what's going on yes maybe someone does do they have a right to turn it into a podcast (laughs) 
probably not like that's where it becomes all a bit weird and obviously you start listening I, th- I think the opening sentence of the first episode is something like now I was never one to really exercise and it sounds like I never thought I could make my own website but mm. then Squarespace stepped in and it's so in the vein of this like slightly almost sponsored content voice that we associate so much with podcasting and like the big giants of podcasting but then he goes on to say and then I met Richard Simmons and you know this changed my life kind of thing and you're like wow this is so deliberately done for entertainment purposes and Mm -hmm. it's so tightly constructed like all the other podcasts we've listened to and I don't really buy the like faux concern like but I was a really good friend of Richard's and I just really want to find him because it's like if you really just wanted to find him you wouldn't be making this like extremely popular podcast Mm. you'd just be like writing him a letter and putting it through the door or doing part of what you did which is you know find out if you're really worried about him is it the fourth episode he goes to New Orleans to track down Richard's brother Mm -hmm. who he eventually gets to talk to and who's like, Richard is fine. I speak to him often. He just doesn't want to talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. You do that and then you're like, okay, his brother says he's fine. Yeah. I have to take this word for it. The end. Instead though, it carries on and it gets, oh, it gets uncomfortable. Like I think it's early on in the fifth episode. Apparently there's a conspiracy theory circling that one of the reasons why Richard Simmons withdrew from public life is because he's transitioning Mm -hmm. genders. And I think his spokesman has like actually denied this. But Tabersky does this whole sequence where he like talks it around in a circle and he says, if he was transitioning, obviously that would be fine and it would be nobody's business but his. But we would be a bit interested, wouldn't we? Mm. But it wouldn't be. He like has sort of has the dialogue with himself and eventually you feel like he comes down on the right side of it. And then there's just this little like almost as if his his other half wants to have the final word and he goes, maybe. Mm. And you just think hang on, you've just completely muddied the waters here. I have no idea what you think. And you've clearly just done it to be intriguing. Yeah, and I also don't think it's necessarily clever to be like, there are lots of sides Mm. to this debate because it's like, of course, but this is also a person's life. And fundamentally, we all know that a level of intrusion is just not really acceptable. I really struggle to get to grips with it. I don't think I'll carry on listening, having listened for seriously, because it just feels very uncomfortable to me and I think that there's a sense of self-denial and like overcomplicating of the ethics of it as a way to try and make it more exciting and more intriguing mm. as you say and it's just a bit insincere almost on the host's part because I almost don't think that he believes a lot of the arguments he's spinning and I think culturally as well one of the things that's good about the way we treat celebrities is that we are much more aware of mental health issues and we are much more aware of the like toll fame for example can take on people's mental health and we are a bit more like wow this like super manic persona might not actually be like a super happy persona Mm. we're a bit more aware of these kinds of things but that also means that we're like really inclined to kind of like randomly diagnose from a distance yes with no basis or evidence or right to do so yeah Yeah. and it's really intrusive and Mm. really weird and people do it all the time with people like Kanye West they're like oh you know this this certain like quote rant is really indicative of these egomaniacal behaviors or that you know this kind of depression or he like mentioned this drug in a song which means that we have the right to like poke all these different facets of his personality and I see that happening on this podcast you know they're like maybe it was the knee surgery maybe it was the dead dog maybe Mm. maybe his depression manifests itself in this way and that way and yeah for me it's not not good. No and I think your point about it feeling manufactured and a bit insincere ties into the slightly like meta media narrative of how this podcast came about because I think it's the first 
like entire production of a new podcasting company called Pineapple Street Media, mm-hmm. which was one of the really big producers from BuzzFeed in the US left to set up her own podcast production company. And there was a lot of like buzz and hype around it because she got quite a lot of initial investment and all this kind of thing. And this is like the first big ticket thing that they've come out with. And it's been a massive hit. But I think the fact that it feels manufactured and maybe overhyped comes from the fact that they're a new outfit and they like knew very solidly like what buttons they had to push in order to have the hit that they need for their company to continue and Mm. stuff. It's working for a lot of people's own agendas and not necessarily for the larger purpose of the thing. Yeah. To get slightly devil's advocate though, we love You Must Remember This, Mm -hmm. one of our favourite podcasts. What's the difference between that and You Must Remember This? Obviously, there's a massive obvious difference, which is that Richard Simmons is alive and, you know, probably aware of this podcast and obviously doesn't want to engage. But on another level, it's that same kind of like gossipy celebrity narrative making that we get in you must remember this and that is the part that I found myself enjoying about this podcast but it felt so much more uncomfortable and I was so much felt so much more guilty about my own pleasure that I was taking in it I think it's also to do with the like transition of events from being current to past Mm -hmm. because you must remember this doesn't really interview people it relies on written accounts and what's in movies for her as the critic to like build her story around. Whereas not only is Richard Simmons still alive, all of the people that are interviewed in the show are still very much like in this moment. It's not in the past yet. It's not a matter of history. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, a matter of interpretation. It's still, you know, people's actual feelings and actual lives. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's this uncomfortable fusion of journalistic techniques with a kind of historical interpretation that isn't appropriate when things are still happening mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, completely agree. So last week I recommended that Caroline watch the HBO miniseries The Night Of, starring Riz Ahmed and John Totoro. So Caroline, how far did you get? Did you watch an episode? I watched the first episode, which is just under an hour. Yeah, they're quite long episodes. Mm. And there's eight in the series, right? Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting. It's it's such a like different approach to crime drama, mm-hmm. I feel like, because... And in some ways actually reminds me of Clique, more in the sense that the viewer doesn't really get privileged access to anything. Like we see things as Naz, the Riz Ahmed character, sees them like when he blacks out, we black out kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, so we don't know what happened either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you follow this character, Naz, on this kind of crazy night in Manhattan where he gets invited to this party. He borrows his dad's cab and is trying to drive to this party. And he doesn't know how to turn the like for hire light off on the cab so people keep getting in and eventually this girl gets him he she asks him to take her to the beach i think mm-hmm. which is i think then the title of the episode and you know they end up back at her place doing drugs and all this kind of thing it's this whole wild night and then he wakes up and she's dead mm-hmm. and there's blood everywhere and it all just goes from there and so then the second half of the episode deals with how the police pick him up essentially mm-hmm. and it just looks so much like an open and shut case but he can't remember what happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it feels to me just on the, this first contact with it, it's less of like a 
a detective story that's going to make you feel really like clever at mm-hmm. you worked out the puzzle and more of a a, a justice-based drama yeah maybe? i think that's pretty accurate and i think it, I, I really can't recommend sticking with it enough basically what happens is as you can tell the police like naz for this and he isn't able to leave on bail so he's basically in prison the whole time that his case is being worked on and when his trial begins etc etc and while that's all coming together and the lawyers are working on his case and trying to you know see if there's anyone else who might fit the bill Nas is in prison and it's a really good exploration of what happens to people in prison and how prison can change a person yeah and i liked as well how there were just little moments of sort of contemporary topicality so some point someone shouts something slightly islamophobic at him Mm. and it's clear that the reason why the police are just so keen on him as a chief suspect is because they're like so poor muslim guy from a bad neighborhood goes on this wild binge with a white woman she ends up dead that Mm -hmm. seems that seems like it fits doesn't it you know yeah and there's a lot of like what what fits the narrative stuff mm. going on and they definitely tease out some of that like 9-11 stuff as well mm. which is it's all really interesting uh can we talk about though <laughs> how adorable riz Ahmed is oh i know I'd isn't like, it heartbreaking yes when you see him like in the cell wearing the blue like scrubs and his lovely long thing. hair he shaves his head later oh. and he looks so different and that that early <laughs> cute hairy he's just so adorable and i think his performance in this is absolutely amazing mm. yeah well even just in the first episode i really bought his like mixture of sort of fear and excitement when he's starting out on this whole adventure mm-hmm. you know you you feel like he's he's in the mood for to just like follow the night where it takes him and but at the same time he's a bit like maybe i shouldn't take my dad's car i don't know yeah and he's obviously obviously never done anything like this Mm. before yeah so it's a really subtle and great performance from riz ahmed and i also really love john saturo in this who's sort of a lawyer who is kind of psoriasis ridden and sort of a bit of a joke amongst other lawyers because he's just you know the cheapest guy around and maybe often goes for plea deals and stuff like that he's he's great in this so yep heartily recommend it to all seriously listeners do seek it out and give it a watch it's only eight hours so it's worth doing so caroline what about me for next week we're thinking of changing tack slightly aren't we on this yeah, so we thought rather than me just recommending you something that I like, we thought we would make use of the many, many excellent recommendations that you listeners are always sending us. And I will pick something from the the huge backlog the of emails bin. that we have. <laughs> the recommends bin. We have so many and we do want to start using them a bit more in this way. So with that in mind. With that in mind, I am going to pick up on something that Emily sent us. You remember Emily from the beginning of this podcast? She was the one who recommended Big Little Lies. So she also recommended us an iPhone game called Prune, which is, she says, is essentially a puzzle game in which the goal is to prune a tree so it grows in the direction of sunlight and grows flowers. It's simple, has very relaxing music and clean graphics. If you liked Monument Valley, you'll probably like this too. That sounds so lovely. I like the idea of this very much. Yeah, it sounds really peaceful. And yeah, we did really like Monument Valley. And I do generally like mobile games that put time and effort into things like music and graphics because so many don't. Mm. So yeah, thank you very much, Emily. We are going to give that a go for next week. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where you could also leave us a review. At our website, seriouslypod.com, you can find all our back episodes, plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually, and Friends. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. We're seriouslypod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show, or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media, or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.